It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to ATL Day Ones with Jarvis and Tanitra. Coming up on today's show, anybody tried to run up on Nephew Ronnie this weekend, the Braves were ready. And they got their first dub at the Benz. The Falcons are 1-0, but do you have some concerns you want to talk about? And last but not least, and for the culture, that boy Quavo is headed home. We'll talk about all that next right here on ATL Day Ones. Let's This go. is ATL Day Ones, part of Locked On Sports Atlanta. And it starts now. I want to start off by saying thank you for making ATL Day Ones your first listen of the day. Remember, we are free and available wherever you download your podcast. And wherever you download your podcast, make sure that you leave us a five-star review. Really appreciate that from you in advance. ATL Day Ones is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook. Make every moment more. Visit FanDuel.com slash locked on today to get started. Also, I want to let you know that ATL Day Ones is part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Coming up in eight minutes, what are you concerned about? The Falcons got to win. We'll talk about all that. But first, T, when I saw it go down, Oviedo had threw that pitch, threw it a little bit inside. Not a little bit. A lot of it inside. We know that a lot of teams like to come in on Ronnie, and they've been doing it more and more lately, seemingly. But the thing that I liked about it, T, we talked about on this show time and time again, was the fact that the Braves – Stood up, they came out, the the uh the benches cleared, no fight, no, no hands were thrown, anything like that. But I just love to see that, hey, you guys aren't going to touch our superstar like that. And I'm finally glad that they are treating him as such um from, from within the organization. Same. I mean, we don't advocate violence, but you know what? Sometimes you should choose violence, or at least the appearance of violence, because I think the Braves just need to let everybody know they're not going to be pushed around. And sometimes it's not just about what you do in on the field, right? Meaning mm-hmm. at, at the plate, on the mound, in the infield or outfield. Sometimes that's not enough. Sometimes when right. they come for you, you have to let them know, but I didn't send for you. And I really, really think the Braves sent the message by clearing the benches and saying, oh, oh, no. No, no, no. We have your background with Acuna Jr. I really, I know it probably sounds a little bit petty and, you know, maybe it is, but, uh, but I appreciate that because also Ronald Acuna Jr. didn't back down. Okay, Oviedo, you, you got words? I got words too. And so I don't mind even that Brian Snicker was ejected because he went in on the umpire yeah. because again, sometimes you just get to the point in place where you're like, okay, I'm not about to have this. I'm not about to have these questionable strike zones. I'm not about to have these calls that should be overturned, not overturned. So I like it. It just shows a little bravado. And sometimes you just need to show you you got that dog in you. Yeah, and I think it's perfect timing because, like you said, we're coming down to the end of the season. You know that, hey, the Braves are, they clinched the playoff spot, the only team in the major leagues to be able to, to do so. And I think it's now it's time to start fine-tuning. And I think that's part of it, too. Like, for I'm sure, I'm sure, after after the game or after uh, Ronald Acuna got home and kind of started thinking about or processing what happened, 
for I think for him to see his teammates come out there and say, you know what, we got your back, man. And for his manager to say, you know what, I don't care if I get ejected. I got your back, we got your back, and we are moving forward with you as our leader of this team. And for them to step up like they did, I really feel like this is something that I feel like can be like a a, 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 a beginning of something that can really kind of catapult them into that World Series, not only to get there, but to win this bad boy as a whole team. And just real quick, before we move on to some really cool news, you said one word that I just wanted to co-sign on, and that's leader. And so uh, people, you know, laughed about the meme that was created as Ronald Acuna Jr. was rounding the bases from his grand slam. And, you know, Freddie Freeman was kind of just standing there. But to me, it represented the past and the future passing you by. And here we are about a week or so later and his team is stepping up for him. So I think you're right, Jarvis. On You're on point with that leader piece because they're showing that, hey, we're behind you 100 percent. But, yeah, my mind went back to that. Just that moment where here's the past and here's the future riding right around you. Oh, man, that is. Yeah, that's beautiful. That's beautiful. I, I really like that because like here here we are like talking about Ronald Acuna Jr., the guy who people didn't want him have his hat wearing a certain way and all that stuff for for him to be right now, be stepping into that leadership role and people are taking on his identity of how he plays the game. I absolutely love it. Speaking of taking on the identity, the identity of this team was their pitching staff coming into the season. We all know all the injuries and everything they dealt with. Max Fried is back. He's been doing his thing. He had a couple hiccups here and there. But, T, there's a possibility that we might see Cal Wright in this upcoming series against the Philadelphia Phillies. Like, come on now. Please don't tell me this is the everything coming together towards the end of the season so we can go on this World Series run. Oh, I like it a lot. I don't even care that they optioned Alan Winans, who had a really great game Sunday, uh, went six in the third innings, and that was right. a really fantastic go for him. But, you know, optioned him back to AAA this morning, officially announced it, and Jackson Stevens, they contracted or brought up. Now, Jackson Stevens is in Philly, but guess who else is in Philly? Kyle Wright. So yes. excited because when you look at the series starting pitchers, you just mentioned it, Charlie Morton, for the day game, uh, because it's a doubleheader from a game they had to make up. And mm-hmm. then Max Freed for game three tomorrow. And then Spencer Strider for game four had to be pushed back because he's not feeling well. And then they've got Bryce Elder to start the next series, game one. Game two still open. And Snit said last night, Kyle's a possibility. Jackson Stevens is a possibility. I think it just really depends on the chess match he wants to play. But mm-hmm. again, like you said, these are little pieces that are coming into play, even getting six and the third innings from Alan Winans that were quality so that you could have just one more arm to put yourself in position for exactly who you wanted to have start in Philly. Yeah. I like, this is, this is the perfect storm for the Atlanta Braves for them at, at this time of the year to be bringing a guy like Kyle right back in. It's almost like a trade acquisition, right? It's like, oh, yeah, yeah. we're bringing back a 20-game winner, you know, from last year. Yes, yes, this is absolutely great. So, yeah, Brave fans, get excited because this is – this might be – we might be on to something when it comes to Atlanta Braves in October. But um, before we get out here, team, got to mention this. Andrew Jones got his number retired over the weekend. So, number 25 is going up with – 10 other people, I mean, 11 other people that are just absolutely amazing, have done so many great things for this organization. But Andrew Jones 
gets his number retired. But let me ask you this, T, with the organization, but does this help make his case for him to be a Hall of Famer in the Major League Hall of Fame? You know, I wish that on some level it did on 10. I'll tell you, I think it does on seven out of 10. Because mm-hmm. Chipper Jones' speech, oh my goodness, Chipper Jones' speech was absolutely amazing, saying, you know, no question he should be in the hall. And I thought, mm-hmm. man, I wish it was like a pro football hall of fame because once you're in, I think you get a vote. Um, but definitely you have a say, like in being able to influence the hall, uh, hall of fame voters for football. Not so much for baseball. It is the right. Baseball Writers of America Association, and that is it. But yeah. he had a jump. In 20, his his last jump was, uh, I'm sorry, his last percentage was 41.4%. He jumped to 58.1%. So yeah. that's an, normally those guys may jump 2%, 6% or what have you. But when you start talking about a, an almost 17% jump, that's yeah. what gets me encouraged that, hey, they're starting to see like, okay, there might be something there. So yeah, excited that he was able to be acknowledged by the Braves because yes, every little bit counts to be able to make the baseball writers say, hmm, maybe we should look again. Yeah, and I think that when you think about where they, where the Braves are and where Andrew Jones is in his, in his post-career, like to have your number retired is a big deal by a Major League Baseball team. And I think that People starting to look at his numbers now and just like, okay, he had 434 home runs. He averaged 34 home runs and 103 RBIs for a 10-year period. He was won 10 consecutive gold gloves, which means that he was the best center fielder in the game for 10 straight years. So, yeah, that says a lot. I think, that, and of course, then you add into the, the defensive statistics that, you know, there are people that are taking into consideration now. Like, I think... Like I'm almost like Chipper Jones right now. Like he's going to get in, whether it be he has a couple of years left on the on the ballot, and then of course you know you do the veteran just like Fred McGriff, yeah. like Fred McGriff got in. So I think that yeah, like he's going to be in there, and I I can't wait because yeah. to have this many people on the, in the Hall of Fame from that that era of the Braves is just mm-hmm. absolutely ridiculous. Right, <laughs> and another positive in Andrew's favor is Dale Murphy is the only brave that is in, I think the Braves hall of fame, but not the baseball hall of fame. Right, so yeah. that also bodes well for him. Yes. It's, it's just absolutely great. So yeah. Also people, guess what? I want to let you know that this episode of ATL day ones is brought to you by FanDuel because it is the number one sports book in America. Guess what? The NFL season, it is going up this year. Like, because Hey, week one just passed. I know, you know, you may have made some couple of bets here and there, but guess what? If you are a new customer, FanDuel has the exact package that you need to have, right? All you got to do is drop five bucks. You're going to get up to $200 in bonus bets. Yes, $200 in bonus bets that, that you can go towards betting on anything from the money line, the over-unders, uh, the uh, player props, all that stuff. I'm telling you, y'all, you don't have to worry about this app because it's safe, secure, Super easy to use. You don't have to worry about anybody getting all your information. And plus, when you that bet clears, you're going to get your money instantly. So you don't have to worry about going down the street to go knocking on somebody's door to try to get your money. Or, hey, man, send me this cash up. You don't got to worry about that. FanDuel got you covered. So here's what I want you to do. Go to FanDuel.com slash locked on. FanDuel.com slash locked on. L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N. Excuse me. And get... Drop that $5 in there, you're going to get $200 in bonus bets. 
that you can bet on that you can use to bet on anything. So go to fanduel.com slash locked on because it is the number one sports book in America and is the official sports book betting partner of the NFL. And I don't know if you guys bet on the Falcons to end all kinds of droughts, right, Jarvis? I mean, right. they ended a drought of not winning the home opener at the Benz. And remember, emphasis on the Benz, the new home for the Falcons. They uh, just, I mean, that to me was like mind blowing, like never won a home opener while they've been in the Benz. Hadn't gone over 500 since January 13th of 2018. I mean, they really, really, so it was a significant win, right? It was right. a significant yeah. win. And you were in the building on behalf of our, our ATL day ones and locked on at sports Atlanta team. And, and first of all, just tell us a little bit about how that environment was, because I hear that it was one of the more ruckus and rowdy environments for in recent memory. So, you know what, like walking, just walking up to the stadium, like, because you know, yeah, I normally get around about close. between 11 and 11, 15, try to get yep. there like two hours before kickoff. Mm-hmm. And the lines were out the wazoo. Yes. Like the lines were literally... You know how the, the overpass, you know, mm-hmm. coming from our station, like the lines were literally back there up, the, going up the ramp as you come off that overpass if you're walking. So, yeah, it was just it was just, it was just a sight to see to see uh, a lot of the Falcons um, fans out there. And then um, as I was riding on the little trolley and you know, going to the stadium, I was hearing some of the employees of, of the stadium talking about, I don't see any Falcons. I mean, I don't see any Panthers fans out here tailgating. And one of the guys was so funny. He was his response was he was like, "Nobody give a crap about no Panthers doggone tailgating here in Atlanta at our crib, you know." So, right. so it was just it was just really cool to kind of see. Like it felt a little different, you know. Yes. Um, just seeing everybody out there and seeing all the black and red, and then you know coming into the stadium, just to see how the excitement was there, and people are really really excited about this team. But but just from the from the game standpoint, T, I mm-hmm. really feel like. Like my big takeaway from this one is the is the coaching. I think the coaching aspect of of from offensively speaking offensively, if Arthur Smith just being able to adjust because I felt like during that game he started to get a little cute, you know. And of course you want to use the toy and B. John Robinson and all that stuff, but just remember, like once that offense started popping, who they gave the rock to? Number twenty five. Tyler Algier. Tyler Algier popped off a couple of those runs. You start to see the offense start clicking a little bit. And then, you know, obviously with Bijan being able to get in the end zone, you you know, it's, it's, it's apparent, like, what this dude is going to be able to do this year. But when you have a guy like Tyler Algier to compliment him as well, I think that it's going to keep teams from keying in on Bijan whenever he's in the game. And I think Arthur Smith was able to take advantage of that once they were kind of subbing in and out and, and making those necessary adjustments. But so, yeah, I think definitely a big shout out to Arthur Smith just from being able to make those adjustments necessary for in order for to get that offense going. Indeed. And we're going to talk more and deep dive into the defense tomorrow, but I'll just make this point to make the point about the offense. And that is when you make, when you have takeaways, I mean, that's been a point, of emphasis for the coaching staff as well, that we need to flip the field with takeaways. The fact that the offense now, I I made that point to say the fact that the offense kept getting a short field to work with, that's how you can get an 11 yard touchdown from Bijan Robinson, because you're in the low red zone, right? 
Right. Same thing with Tyler Algier, a three-yard run, a four-yard run. Why? Because you had a short field to work with, and then you can punch it in with that guy, right? So mm-hmm. it was really exciting and also good to see the versatility of utilizing Bijan Robinson, where we've seen him line up that way all through a training camp and even earlier in the offseason OTAs. But then you look at uh, Tyler Algier, and everybody wondered, well, what are they going to do with him? How are they going to use him? Exactly how they used him. They're going right. to use him as the bruising running back <laughs> that, that he was. Period. Yeah. Point like the end. And granted, that might change a little bit when Cordero Patterson officially comes back, but I have a sneaky suspicion. And that's one of my kind of negative takeaways because I want to hear from you about your offensive concerns or negative takeaways to Jarvis. But mm-hmm. for me, you know, that could be a big deal. And I would agree with you on one thing I liked was how they use Michael Pruitt because we know that I would just say the whole side, right side of the O-line was on the struggle bus yesterday. I'm not going to even just say that it was Caleb McGarry, although it was mostly yeah. Caleb McGarry, but not just yeah, Caleb McGarry, but it was really the whole right side was on the struggle bus yeah. and utilizing Michael Pruitt to help to block Brian Burns. We heard his name far less in the second half than we did in the first half. So I do like some of the, as you mentioned, just mild or modest tweaks that helped to eventually break that game open in the fourth quarter. Yeah. that And I, I thought it was kind of funny when I asked, kind of asked uh, Arthur Smith about that after the game, he was just like, it's coaching. Like this is the NFL. Like, like, like you have a plan coming in to, to do certain things, but like he didn't use this analogy, but I'll you, I'll go ahead and use it myself. Like, but when you get punched in the mouth, like, <laughs> and you didn't expect to get the punch in the mouth like that, you know, you have to make those adjustments and say, you know what? Okay. All right. That's, that's a nice little lick. Now I got to figure out how to get my lick back. So I, I think that Derek Brown and Brian Burns, like we talked about Mr. Brown, like we, we understood, but you know, Brian Burns is like, he is playing for a contract. That man is yeah. hungry. T, yes. He's trying to get paid. He said, I need 25, 27, 28 million dollars annually. You know, I need to get up there. So I think yeah. that we saw that. And he was able to take advantage of a, one of our, the Falcons' best offensive lineman in Chris Lindstrom. Derrick yeah, Brown was, was able to shocker. get the best yeah. of him. So that was, that the, was shocker. the shocker, right? You know, so to be able to see them make those necessary adjustments, sometimes you don't want to. And right. the offense may have looked like Marcus Mariota uh, offense run offense last year, but hey, it is what it is. You're trying mm-hmm. to get the dub, and your like you said, the defense it put you in a situation to be able to score and take advantage of those turnovers. I I, I, I commend Arthur Smith. I commend him. Like, hey, man. I understand what you want to do, but at the end of the day, you got to do what you got to do to get that dub. Yeah, because you got 17 points off turnover. So like you said, whatever it takes. And one more positive before we do our quick concerns, and then we'll probably wrap up after that because, hey, there's so much more to dig into. It's like we want to save the defense for tomorrow so we can dig in a little bit more. But Mm -hmm. I really did like what I saw from Kyle Pitts. It, it, It may have just been that one catch, But Mm -hmm. it was so exciting to see him do things that you knew he could do, right? And you, But you Mm -hmm. wondered if he could do it again. We saw it in in his first season. Unfortunately, he didn't have the right QB in his second season. So here we are in the third season. And he had to go back for that ball yesterday. And he did it. So, yeah, I just wanted to kind of shout out the exciting part about Kyle Pitts. But I'll flip it and say that's also where my concern lies. Because I was looking for Drake London. I was looking for... Uh, Scotty Miller, I was looking for Mac Collins and wondering, 
and I, I do know Desmond Ritter had a limited number of passing attempts, so you just Indeed. couldn't get to everybody. But I did wonder, Jarvis, was that more the Panthers secondary bringing great coverage or was it more the wide receiver core has not gelled with Dez quite yet? Um, I would probably say <laughs> it, it, it was more what Carolina was doing. And not necessarily in the secondary, but just like we talked about. We're talking about Derek Brown and Brian Burns. Like, yeah. there's only so much you could do because right. they were coming. They were putting pressure. They saw they saw some leaking, a chink in the armor, you know, when it comes to that offensive line. And Ajiro Averro, Ajiro Averro, excuse me. Sorry if I, I butchered your name. Sorry, sir. But, yeah, he, he called a good game, you know, yeah. because, like, the Falcons they had to make a big adjustment, you know what I'm saying, in order to be able to – capitalize on what they were able to do and 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 when you think about you know like going in to 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 different games with a different game plan like like you said you have to make those necessary adjustments and i think that you know of course we want to see him be able to get the ball to mac hollins uh scotty miller uh uh kyle pitts and drake london and all that stuff of course yeah we would love to see that like, that's how we know that this offense is going to be clicking. But I'll go back to what we talked about before this before this game. Desmond Ritter's going to get off to a slow start because that's just when you, you don't have live ball snaps, when you don't have that situation where, hey, I know that somebody's going to put me on the ground if I don't get rid of this ball. Like, we saw him hesitate. We saw him you know, stepping up into the rush and not necessarily having a good feel for it to be able to get out of the way and so he can make a throw downfield. We saw it later on in the yeah. game, but early yeah. on, he looked like he was kind of lost. So, yeah. I, and I even joked with Aaron on the, on, the, on, the, on the Falcons postcast that, hey, you know, that first half was, that was preseason. You know what I'm saying? Those were preseason reps. And then second half, they started to figure that thing out. So, yeah, I really feel like, you know, this is a, a game that, take it with a grain of salt. You got the yeah. dub. But just know that this offense is going to be a work in progress. And be thankful that your defense was able to turn over a rookie quarterback like they're supposed to and, and, and take advantage of that. And you were able to take advantage of that as well in the back end. And everydayers, let us know what your biggest takeaways are from game one. Were you guys sold that, hey, the Falcons, they've got a squad. Was it good on offense for you? Good on defense? What concerns might you have? Definitely let us know. You always do. So we appreciate it. And don't forget, of course, to download ATL Day Ones wherever you get your podcasts. But T, this is for the culture. It is intersection between sports, entertainment, the culture, and sometimes whatever the hell we want to talk about because it's just how we get down on the show today. It's no different. T, when you think about like Quavo and what he's been able to do with, you know, the group Migos and, and the fortune passing, uh, passing of his cousin, um, um, oh gosh, Name escapes me take right off. now. Uh, take off, yes. So take off, you know, passing away. But when you think about what he's been able to do, just be able to represent where he came from. You know, in Gwinnett County, they put the North North on the map when when they came out, and you know, putting all those albums and everything like that. But what people don't know is like he was actually born in Athens, and now T he's headed back home. He said he's going to enroll at the University of Georgia, and he's going to be on campus. Like, T, like, imagine the possibilities. I know all the party promoters down there asking right now. They are hitting his lines like, hey, man, I need you to perform here, 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 here. Right. People are just lining up. But, yeah, how cool is that for him to say, you know what? I'm going to go back to school 
and I'm gonna go represent my school that that, that in the same town that I uh, that I was born in. Well, selfishly, I would have been more excited if he had said Morehouse, but moving right along, or Clark Atlanta, but moving right along, we'll accept UGA. We'll yeah. accept UGA because yeah, like yeah. Lil Wayne, who enrolled in the University of Houston, like Megan Thee Stallion, who enrolled in an HBCU and got her degree from Texas yes. Southern University. I love Sweet. that he is following suit and saying, hey, there are layers to me. And I want to explore those layers. And of course, you have Bum B, who's out here teaching college courses so yeah i love when i hear something <laughs> like this yeah, because I it reminds it. you yeah you know remind you or even david banner back in the day went to southern and uh, i think david banner might have a master's so yeah quavo congrats to you for just trying to up your game in a different way and making sure that you're able to once the rap game wraps up for you that you're able to move on to to something else or have a better business mind while you're actually in the throes of your rap career. So congrats, man. Yeah, congratulations to him. Now, T, before we get out of here, we have to talk about this story because, you know, this is, it can get a little dicey. So, you know, there was a, a, a lady, a young lady by the name of Paula Penn that won $75,000, you know, in a, on, a, on a lottery ticket, right? But she uh nearly lost out on it, T, because... She almost gifted the winning ticket to her ex-father-in-law. Notice I said ex-father-in-law. So, like, can you kind of give me a picture into how a young Tanitra Batiste would have tried to ask for that uh, ticket back if you were in that situation, T? <laughs> you know... <laughs> I was thinking the same thing. Like, how would I get it? I, 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 you know what? I don't know if I would ask for it back. I, I, I might be like, well, no, you know what? Maybe I'd be like, no, no, no. But like, it ain't life changing money, but it's nice little But start. it's a game changer. Yeah. 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 But I probably, no, no, no. I would have asked for the ticket back, but I'm just saying, I'm trying to figure out like, does she have, and my mind is going further. Like, does she have mm -hmm. a legal or does he have? A legal case against her to say, hey, she owes me some of that money because I did have that ticket in hand first. That's where my mind went like, right. oh, man, I wonder if it's just over, if she's just going to keep the 75 grand or is the ex-father-in-law slot and the ex-husband in the background, are they going to be petty and try to go after her? <laughs> That's what I thought about. Well, she did say that, you know, the father-in-law is going to get a kick out of it, you know, when he hears how, how all of this went down. But so, you know, it's just kind of like, you know. Yeah. 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 Uh, I, I hope she knows herself. her ex-father-in-law very right, well. Right, because I'm like, just a kick. That's so all he's going to get out of it. Yeah, okay. We'll see. Jarvis and I will be following this story. We will see. And we will yes. bring you all the deets. If and when this happens, that he's just going to chuckle and keep it moving. Because who knows if it was a contentious breakup between his son and her. Like I said, folks get petty. And they can find a way, if he can find a way to make sure he gets the money back in his hands, I just think that's exactly what he's going to do. But, hey, we'll see. Like I said, we will keep you guys posted. And yes. come back tomorrow because we will do a deep dive into the defense. We know that Arthur Smith has now had a chance to look at the tape. So he's going to have some deeper 
and more specific reactions today of what went down Sunday. So we'll bring that to you tomorrow for the Falcons. And of course, we hope to bring you two W's to talk about from the Braves because it is a doubleheader today. We know for sure Charlie Morton is on the mound for game one and Snit's got something up his sleeves for game two. So don't forget any and all and every sports story you want. You got it right here on ATL Day Ones. And guys, if you don't do anything else with your life and girls as well, make sure you share love, show love, and most importantly, spread love on a good old Victory Monday. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today. 